welcome to The Near Memo, a weekly conversation about search, social, and commerce. What happened, why it matters, and the implications for local. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We are here again, David, Mike, and Greg, for episode 53 of The Near Memo, where we talk about search, social media, commerce, and other things that are on our minds. And um, obviously on everybody's mind uh, this week is the uh, invasion of Ukraine and the tragedy that that represents. And many people uh, know, know colleagues or have colleagues that work in Ukraine or know, know people in, in that country. And so, um, you know, we, we hope that this can all be resolved with uh, as little loss of life as uh, possible. Um, and it's kind of hard to talk about... <laughs> Uh, ranking factors in the context of something like that. But that's what we're going to do today because that's what we do uh, every week. But before we get to some interesting stuff about um, ranking factors and Google, uh, I wanted to bring up uh, a couple of things that that happened earlier in the week, which was, um, you know, Amazon made another sort of splashy uh, play uh, lawsuit against a couple of review brokers um, that were you know, running these sort of schemes, free products for positive reviews that are pretty widespread on Amazon. But also in that um, item was a discussion about Yelp elites who are being bribed to write positive reviews or to post reviews written by uh, other other people, review uh, brokers. And the quote, this is based on a local NBC affiliate that did a kind of an investigation. Um, and the quote that was striking was one, this is a Yelp elite, squad member uh, speaking to NBC. One former Yelp elite told us um, he was part of an invitation-only online chat that included a few thousand members, Yelp elite members, who were paid $25 to $50 per fake review to post fake reviews uh, created by third-party brokers. And, you know, Yelp, as we discussed before, filters out about 29% of its reviews as untrustworthy in attempt to kind of capture these fraudulent reviews, but it's obviously uh, being unsuccessful in this context. And I don't know how widespread the, the, the elite fraud problem is, but a few thousand people is a pretty ominous suggestion that there, there are a lot of people on Yelp who are trying to cash in on their status. I had a couple of thoughts about it. One is that Yelp, while they claim they filter these reviews in an effort to filter out bad reviews, what they really are doing is attempting to make it more expensive for spammers to leave reviews by taking the low-hanging fruit of newbies out of that picture. Um, Which is what, what seems to be a, happening. The The cost is 25 to 50 bucks a positive review. Exactly. Which is the other point is that that it has, in fact, driven up the cost to $30, whereas a Google review is probably 3 to $5 to buy. So it is an... It, it, but... Also interesting to me is that the Yelp practice of filtering out positive reviews just because they are positive reviews is in violation of the FTC new guidelines of treating all reviews equally. So I'd be yeah. curious to see, and they were one of the 700 companies that received notice that they have to behave by certain standards. It'll be interesting to see if the FTC examines that sort of arbitrary cost-saving measure, because I don't believe it's the only way to moderate uh deceptive reviews well, what's interesting what's interesting about that is that i think there are a number of cases california cases and uh, cases in other jurisdictions both dealing with 
search algorithms and um, uh, Yelp in particular with with its fil filtering of reviews, where the courts have basically said these companies can do whatever they want. This is their speech rights here. Uh, an algorithm is tantamount to speech, and you can manipulate it and arrange it in whatever way you want. And so is your policing is it of reviews. A speech argument or a two thirty argument? Well, no, it's not a two thirty argument. It's that a, they can it's moderate a, it's, any way they want. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a speech argument, as I recall. I mean, I I that just came into my brain, so I haven't had time to look at the specifics of the case, which I'll go and do after we get off. But. But I think there's some case law. The, the the short version is there's some case law in conflict with the FTC's uh, directive now that you have to be even-handed. When I spoke to the FTC, they they expressed some likely concern that they would be un, unable to have any regulatory control over situations that fell under 230 or other higher yep. rulings, uh, and certainly Yelp and Google and Amazon all fall under 230 in that regard. Um, so yeah, so they're they they're elements. completely immune from any liability for content of those right. reviews. Yeah, I was going to say just uh, before we move on to the next the next item that this this story is is interesting for a number of reasons and many of which you already highlighted. But the thing that that struck me is that is just the you know it it puts another nail in the coffin of Yelp's argument that they are represent they are representing the most accurate picture of local businesses um when their their review um uh, again as we said on a previous near memo their their review filtering mechanism is simply different than other sites uh doesn't mean it's better or worse uh and in fact if you're if you are accepting reviews from a very small subset of users um basically carte blanche i think once you're in a yelp review yelp elite status you probably almost never get a review filtered if ever um so it'd be interesting well, to see yelp point, re right? release that right it'd be interesting to see yelp release that data if there are any yelp elite reviews that are filtered um but secondly just the fact that um their algorithm is every bit as uh as likely fallible. to be manipulated fallible thank you likely to be manipulated as google's uh and and Amazon's and any, anyone else's. And, and so I just think that they're, um, it certainly hurts their, their PR case of trust and safety, which they uh, branded their white paper report on this topic a couple of weeks ago. Well, so, I, I definitely think they have to go now much more, they, they have to do much more now um, to, to police reviews if they're serious about it. Mike, you were gonna say something. Oh, well, I just, I had an experience with a friend who was dealing with some gated reviews. I went to the Yelp site because he was both, this business was soliciting Yelp reviews and gating them. And I searched for this business, found it, but it was literally two screens down after ads. It was like six ads <laughs> because it was in the roofing industry before, even though I searched for the brand company, it was still mm -hmm. well below the fold on a very large screen. So Yelp's argument about Google doing that is interesting as well, uh, also suspect, yeah. because their behavior is actually more egregious or equally egregious. Well, speaking of Google, of course, uh, <laughs> there were two, two items that you're, you're, you're focusing on today, David, um, uh, some SEO course, courses that Google seems to be starting to offer, and then also the WhiteSpark study about 
the impact of core web vitals on yeah, local a, rankings. As I did last week, I'm copping out on my single item by combining two. Uh, no, it's creative. In... <laughs> it's a it's a creative uh, effort. So I would actually sort of reverse the, the reason that this is all interesting to me. Um, so that for those who haven't seen, WhiteSpark uh, came out with a, a pretty comprehensive study. I think they looked at something like 4,500 businesses across 15 categories and 15 markets in uh, the United States, everything from you know, massage therapy to HVAC technicians. It was a pretty, pretty wide range of categories. Um, and they analyzed the top 20 results for each of these searches in each of these markets um, for the performance on Google's core web vitals um, scoring mechanism, which they have said actually uh, influences ranking uh, in organic results. And they say page experience does, which is a combination of core vitals <laughs> plus interstitials plus good mobile experience, a few other things. But, I mean, this, yeah, the it's core like, web vitals is, is as good of a proxy for that ranking factor yes. that they've explicitly said as, as exists. So, right. um, so, so Darren Shaw and his team, I think Thomas Acuna was actually the, the one who published the study, um, right. analyzed these results and, and found that only 3% of these uh, top 20 Google local finder results across all these keywords and markets, only 3% of those G GBP landing pages performed well in Google's core web vitals. And so um, it, this was interesting for a couple of reasons. Number one, sort of reemphasizes the fact that the local pack algorithm and the maps algorithm are is a completely different beast from the uh, organic algorithm, even though it's influenced by how well you do organically, uh, lo looking at a completely separate uh, set of criteria from from the organic algorithm. So that was the first sort of big takeaway. Do you think it's that or do you think there just aren't very many local websites that are any good? Well, this this is what I would say. I would agree with Mike's assessment there. I, I don't I don't agree. I um, I think that they're what I would say is that Google has a um, that Google has a, a higher tolerance for bad websites among SMBs, but that this is such a tiny, tiny, tiny part of the overall organic uh, ranking algorithm that it just doesn't it doesn't meaningfully impact how well somebody's going to perform in a pack result is my well, read of the situation. I mean one of the ways yeah. to look at it is relevance is probably more important than prominence. This contributes to prominence, but relevance is so driven by location and category that those that it's, value yeah. so far exceeds the value of prominence that this contributes that it doesn't show up. Yeah. The other way to look at it, I suppose. Yep. Which would suggest um, then, what you're what you're arguing about the distinction between the two. Yeah, and so this ties in though with with another item that I happen to get as a Zen Business customer. So uh, Near Media has used Zen Business for some LLC filings uh, historically. So I'm on their mailing list, and Google is actually running at what appears to be an SEO seminar that is hosted by Zen Business where Google's own internal SEO team will be talking about how they optimize Google's own sites for better search performance. And it, it was interesting for a couple of reasons. Number one, Google being very explicit about the fact that they are giving SEO advice under someone else's label, Zen Business, um, which we at local university you know, have worked with various Googlers over the years. And uh, certainly all three of us have attended conferences where Google, Google has sent representatives. And I think the representatives to a person have always been very uh, conservative or cautious with, with respect to giving anything that could be construed as SEO advice. 
Um, and this is a very explicit hook for Google to uh, to try to get people to attend or Zen Business to be able to get people to attend this this uh, webinar. So it seems like a pretty big shift in in the way Google is is sort of presenting and packaging itself. Um, first of all, and then my my bigger concern though is just that the the audience of Zen Business is probably um, primarily small businesses, given its uh, sort of focus of its uh, product and product set. Um, and probably there are a lot of local businesses there as well. And, and I think that the frustration for me and, or, or potential frustration for me in, in terms of the advice that's going to be going out here is going to, is probably going to be heavy on things like make sure your page performs really well on core web vitals and make sure you're sort of, you know, optimizing your, your meta tags and your title tags and that, that sort of thing. Um, and I think it's going to miss the boat on what actually is going to be driving a lot of, of rankings for these businesses. Um, it's probably not going to talk very much about link building. It's probably not going to talk very much about reviews. Um, and, and I don't necessarily think that it's in Google's interest to, um, to, to put these seminars on where they are not, um, they don't have a better sense of the audience and who, and what advice for that audience will be appropriate. So. Um, that was that sort of two things that caught my eye this week is is that what we hear a lot from the sort of Google um, from Google's mouthpieces about SEO doesn't necessarily apply that well to local search and this Whitespark study was was the sort of latest example of that. So I have one question, David. Are you attending? Uh, it was believe it or no, not. So I. I clicked the link as soon as I got it in my inbox. Now I might've been on the West Coast and it went to the East Coast people before I woke up, but the seminar was fully booked. So, I mean, clearly the messaging, the messaging worked for, for Zen Business to get people to, to sign up. Well, well, we'll never we'll never know what the content is unless we follow up somehow. You know, I, I suspect you're right that, the, that the, there'll be a bit of a mismatch between what local businesses need to focus on and what Google is offering, which may be much more technical advice. I, I had a client we, we, reach out to me today. They're thinking of opening a new office in a new state and wanted to understand where the highest search volume was, the location where there was the highest search volume, but the lowest competition. For their category? Mm -hmm. In their category, right? Which is actually in local, probably the most important thing is to be- Very astute, very astute client. <laughs> right, where you want to be close to where the searchers are. Right. And he was in employment mm -hmm. law and, you know, it's like, do, and I was, I wanna, I'm not sure when they, do they search at home or do they search when they're at work about abuses <laughs> that their bosses may have uh, taken part in? I don't know, but. And how does working so, from home affect that, uh, that calculation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a complicated question. That's for sure. But there are probably some general guidelines he can follow. Well, but this this is this is a good illustration of what enterprises have been doing for a while using right. using data, location data, um, online data that is sort of being generated to to do things like site site selection, and and it's it's a it's a you know if you have that kind of flexibility, it's a, it's an interesting strategy. Right. Um, but um, yes, and now the third and final item of the day, which is. Uh, about sort of the future and how prominent will Google f figure in our internet lives in the future. And this was this was based on an item that I, I wrote on Monday that that came out of a kind of a casual survey that I did. Um, let me just describe that really quickly, Mike, and then- In 10 years, you. Google will. 
Right. So I, I put a put a survey on 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 Twitter, and it got a little over three hundred responses, about three hundred twenty three responses. Um, and and I this this has been coming out of some of my reading, and and I, I thought, can people, you know, what do people think in ten years will be the case? And the the results are basically um, the the choices were. Google will still be dominant. Google will have been replaced, or I, I don't know. I can't predict. And the bulk said um, still be dominant, about 64%. And then the, the the number of people that thought Google will have been replaced by something else in a decade was pretty small, 12, only 12%. And about 24% said, um, I don't I don't know. So uh, over to you. Well, I, was, I looked at the survey and I thought, I can't really answer this because I think there's fundamentally two questions that were conflated in this, whether Google's dominance in a financial sense versus their dominance as a search engine in the marketplace. And I think those are two discrete questions. And I would, and I think they may have different answers. The other was that, that you postulated that people can't imagine the future. I think people are imagining the future right now. Whether any of those will become dominant uh, metaphors is really what's to be seen. And since nobody People can imagine the future, but they can't predict it. It's very hard for people, and it's very difficult for humans to look into the future 10 years. We can't even look into the future six months other than by extrapolating what we know. So well, it, it, it's a hard it, it, question. It's, in, uh, yes, and I agree that there, that there are two dis- distinct questions about search and then about Google as a company. Right. But this was a Twitter poll, you know, right. this was not I, some, I, I get this was some, some it, super it. casual thing. So, but let me, so, let me just say, let me just say one thing about this. The thing, the thing that 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 I think is that people are having difficulty imagining what succeeds search, right. and when they think about search, they think that Google, nobody can beat Google, nobody can replace Google. That's 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 my right. interpretation. And, and as a metaphor for finding information, Google is our is how we do it. Although I would posit that Apple's building search at the core level of the device and making it available wherever you are on the device, whether you're in in a browser or whether you are in uh, a screen in the Finder, wherever you are on the device, search is available. And I think Apple's way of looking at search, it, it, it may or may not win. I'm just saying that it's an interesting metaphor that it deprecates search from a place you go to do something to embed it into everything you do. It's just sort of contextually aware and you can then, like in the other example in, in Apple is when you select a word, it then can define the word in context, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing, right? So mm-hmm. I think there are there are visions for the future of search as a feature as opposed to a business. And I think that's probably mm-hmm. in some form the biggest threat to search as a as Google sees it is it becomes just a thing you do as part of what you do in life. Right. A lot of times I'll be sitting at the dinner table and there's this question of fact that comes up and I'll say to Siri, what's the answer to this fact? Right. Where it's just contextually appropriate. I'm not going I'm not breaking the conversation. I'm just talking to Siri in the middle of it. It annoys the hell out of my wife. But I find it satisfying because we can at least get this fact out of the way. Right. Um, But so I think there are people who imagine this differently. Now, that being said, you know, if you look at Google's income now, 80% 80% of it's from advertising versus which is basically search based and 20% is from other stuff. 
whereas six years ago, 2015, it was 90%. So clearly Google is making very strong efforts to reduce their reliance on advertising, which means reducing their reliance on search. So even Google sees the shifting, which leads me to believe that they will still be a dominant firm regardless of what happens to search, that they will find alternative ways of utilizing their massive capital to uh, extract information about people and profit from it. Yeah, they're, they're getting a lot of money out of just out of display, just YouTube and their display network, just to point that out. Yeah. On a related note there, I Mike, I, th I think it would be hard to make, you know, make a serious income as a publicly traded company on the questions that probably Siri is best at answering, which are, you know, Wolfram Alpha type questions um, or uh, sort of functional requests that you make, like set a timer or, you know, what temperature is meat done at or whatever. But that's a limit of voice, not a limit of Siri, right? I mean, it's- No, I'm not saying it is, but but it's in terms of it being sort of baked into the experience, like I actually, I don't even know how to find the search bar on my iPhone. Um, I have to swipe each so, of four directions in order to pull it up. I don't remember it, right? It's not a habit. You can, you can swipe left or pull it down. Whereas, or, whereas yeah. opening a browser and typing, some, typing a keyword in the uh, in the address bar and then hitting the Google button is a habit. That is something I know how to do. And so I, I would say that e even if Apple comes out with a set of results that is at parity with Google today or anybody else, um, that the habit of anyone who's been around for the last decade of just going to Google is probably going to persist. And so I think it's if we see a change, it will probably be some sort of generational shift. But I mean, if you think about the the number of people who still have a Yahoo email address, because it was what was available in the mid 90s, like I think that 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 is going to stick with Google for quite a while. So Greg's question about 10 years to me feels like a pretty short horizon for somebody to meaningfully compete with Google on as a as a search destination provider. Well, in, in fact, the, 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 this this was all prompted by this article that uh, said, you know, Google's um, search results are crappy yeah, the and Reddit, worse. The, the Reddit many, viral tweet. Yeah. yeah, right. And, you know, I mean, there is some truth to that critique as Google sort of, you know, more aggressively monetizes yeah. things and puts more and more. The, ads the dude or I, he may not have been a dude. The person who the person who tweeted that, yes. though, is in the point one percent of point one percent of point one percent of yes. Internet users. Yes. So to me, it right. totally missed well, so, the point of actual consumer. So, so there's. So there's an interesting, there's, so, so I agree, Mike, that's an interesting model, sort of a contextualized search product that is sort of distributed throughout the user experience and, and shows different results in different contexts. And then, and then there is this idea of, you know, the voice assistant, which hasn't really taken over, um, according to the data. Um, I, I, I tend to think, and I, and I don't think that this will overcome the Google habit, as you point out, David, I tend to think that there's going to be more reliance on trusted, you know, I think I, I'm, I'm, the trust is a, th is a big theme for me. And I think that there's just distrust everywhere in society, online of reviews. We we're talking about it with the Yelp reviews. And I think that sort of trusted sources become more important over time, which is not, which is not a search replacement per se. You go use search to get to the trusted source. But I think like I've talked about, you know, some, some 2.0 or 3.0 version of the Yahoo directory you know, something like that, that really cuts down the web into a manageable, uh, curated 
sort of set of, of uh, listings. I don't think we'll come to see that. Uh, the the interesting response that, to that that Apple is doing is within the browser search bar, they are intercepting some fair percentage of searches by suggesting, let's whatever you Google used to call, I feel lucky, you know, the singular answer to your query, which I find interesting as well. And that also points out the, the $9 billion vulnerability of Google. If they, if Apple and Google are forced to part ways, what's going to go in Google's place below that? I feel lucky answer. Both of those could lead to a lessening of the Google experience. Again, it, you know, who knows what the future is? I'm just saying there are people thinking about it. I'm confident Google will be around and be a force. Unfortunately, yeah, in our yeah. politics, you know, proclaiming that small business needs them not to be regulated <laughs> or whatever their current. I know, no, no, today, yesterday it was black businessmen need Google not to be regulated. And Hispanic. And Hispanic, and Hispanic. Yes, whatever their crazy yeah. claim is. Um, I'm sure that'll still be with us 10 years from now. So, Well, that's a very, that's a very cynical position that comes out of their small businesses will be harmed. I mean, that, I mean, that's an extreme, that's an even more cynical, well, it's an even more cynical position than, than small businesses generally will be harmed. This is like these communities, you know, we are champions. Yeah. We are champions of, of communities of color and, and black and Hispanic entrepreneurs. And you're going to really damage their prospects if you, if you do anything to us. I mean, that is just like the worst. (laughs) Do you think they'll reach out to your rabbi? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the the people will come, come knocking at the door, uh, you know, but you um, think that, you know, the regulation of Google is going to be bad for uh, something or other. I don't know what. But. Yeah, well, Jew, Jews are <laughs> Jews are no longer con- considered a disadvantaged yeah, true. minority. True. But I'm just it, we in, don't know how desperate Google is going to get here. Yeah, the LGBTQ <laughs> every you know. I don't want to go. Too I was going to say. I think we should end the episode before we go too much. Yeah, I'll start getting start start getting a little too too uh, too controversial there. Um, all right. So, uh, you know, again, um, you know, Ukraine, I don't know what more to say about that. It's just a horrible situation and we hope that it, it improves rapidly, but we'll see. And uh, everybody else have a great weekend, week, evening, morning, whenever you're listening or watching. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining David, Mike, and Greg. To stay on top of the latest developments in local, subscribe to our newsletter at nearmedia.co. We'll see you next week.